Welcome to Rambling Rogues, a podcast for indie authors. Hello, Michael. Hello, Joe. So today we're talking about uh, a topic that I think is quite important to a lot of authors, and that's motivation. We know that a lot of people, they start writing books, but they don't finish them. And today we want to get to the bottom of that, find out exactly why that is and what we can do to um, to change that. Uh, and we've got a very special guest, which is uh, Mia Bofa, who's from Deadlines for Writers. You can check out their website. There'll be links within the description to that. Um, but before we, we jump into all that, let's start with our, our usual bits, which is firstly, um, what are we reading at the moment? So do you want to kick that off, Joe? Yeah, I'll kick that off. So... I have been reading a manga called Parasite, and it's a, I'll say it's a horror slash thriller. It's a very, if anyone hasn't read it or seen the animation of it, anime of it, um, I recommend doing so. It's a, it's, it's one of those stories that really changes how you think about not just the world, but as well as writing in general and how you can approach a story and how you can make one yourself. Wasn't there um, some sort of live a- a- action adaptation of that a few years ago? Yeah, but uh, yeah. It wasn't too good, was it? From what No, all the ones I've seen out there that are, that are adapted from mangas aren't very good. It's something quite difficult to adapt in a way, isn't it? Because... There's certain things you can do in a manga that you can't do in, in real life, I guess, in terms of like showing certain expressions or yeah, certain but movements still, or whatever. I don't know because if you look at Western comics and Western graphic novels, they've all been adapted amazingly when you look at Marvel and DC movies and mm. all the television shows that have that been made from them. They've been mm. done re- really well, so it can be done. I feel like there's there's a lot of laziness when it comes to creating Eastern manga and comics. I feel like there's a lot of laziness surrounding that. But I think there have been one or two that have been all right and good, mm. but the rest have been generally had had a bad. Um, bad reviews from them. Like when yeah. you look at Death Note, they did a live adaptation from that. The reason it wasn't good was because they basically just changed the sto- story and the narrative. Right. And that's basically, they didn't stay true to the original writing. That's what you find a lot now with a lot of stuff. People yeah. aren't staying true to the original authors. Yeah, and I think, you know, people like the originals for a reason. So, mm. you know, I guess sometimes if you adapt something, it doesn't quite work in the same way. But ultimately, if a story works, you shouldn't try and change it too much, you know. Yeah. Um, so at the last podcast, I said that I was going to be reading a different book uh, every month. Um, and this... This month, uh, I've read uh, a book called Rose, which is an adaptation of a Doctor Who episode. Um, in in the sort of seventies, um, obviously Doctor Who's been going on for a long time, and during that time, uh, there weren't any sort of reruns. People didn't show the old episodes, so what they did then was they adapted the, the stories into books. Uh, and these target books were going up until I think the nineties, and they've been brought back more recently for the new series. Uh, and this particular uh, book was written by the person who actually wrote the episode as well Russell T Davis it's fantastic it 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 sort of explores uh different areas that the the, the episode couldn't go into um and it's if you're if you're someone who who wants to look into maybe writing something adapting something from one medium to another it's a great example of how to do that so yeah i really suggest that people check that out um, so the other thing is we we always talk about what we've we've learned in our, our writing um, each month. Uh, this month for me, it's been um, just trying to experiment with different sort of styles of, uh, I guess, narrative and voice. You know, I, I've been within my stories. I I, I, I guess there's a, a risk in the past that things have been a bit too rigid within 
just sticking with one sort of, I don't know, third person narrative or whatever. So my book I'm working on at the moment, I've been trying to throw in different things. I've got um, a series of diary entries in the first person and uh, and uh, as well as the third person narrative and, and, you know, bits of second person things thrown in there as well. So hopefully it won't get too much for the reader, but also it's been quite interesting for me to experiment with those different styles and, and maybe go out of comfort zone a little bit. Um, so... Uh, Joe, what, what what would you yeah. say? Your I think I've come out my comfort zone in the same sense because I've been this past month I've been writing a children's book which I normally don't do, so it's been very different doing that. Or oh, I've I've had to stick to a certain word limit, so that restricts you and what you can do. But also you have to write it write it in a way that is for the right age as well. You have to write it age appropriate. And yeah, I've done a lot of narration that I normally don't put in stories as well. So it's been challenging in that way, but it's also been a lot of fun as well. It's been, yeah, it's been good good doing it. Because um, I think always doing something different, always it always is just fun doing it. I, th- I think that's the most important thing is just doing something that, you find fun in that sense. Yeah, and um and it and it I think it's important in writing to try and challenge yourself in that way just so you're not doing the same old thing over and over again can get boring and, and what have you. So it yeah, it's uh, it's interesting to to try these new things out. Um so uh without further ado, shall we shall we move into the interview now with, with Mia? Um so yeah, we'll 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 jump straight into that. We're really pleased today to be joined by Mia Bofa. Uh, who runs the Deadlines for Writers page. We're going to be talking specifically about the topic of motivation. It's something that I know a lot of authors struggle with. Um, A lot of people start novels, but of course they don't finish them. So we wanted to get sort of the heart of that issue today. Um, So just to start off with uh, Mia, do you want to tell us a little bit about your background? (laughs) Um, My background is, is, it's an interesting thing. Um, But yeah, let's stick to the formal stuff. Um, I was trained as a copywriter a very, very long time ago. Um, So I worked in advertising. I learned very quickly the value of a deadline. Um, So I was kind of like, I had to do this task and there was nothing, there was nothing. A boom, the deadline arrived and I got my work done. So that was, I think... It was a good lesson and a bad lesson, um, but I learned that. Um, I've always been a writer, and I left advertising, and I didn't write for a long, long time. And then after that, um, I um, started doing some writing courses, and eventually I started doing some teaching. And that's the teaching started about 13 years ago, and it's kind of led me to where I am today. Um, I love helping writers. It's one of my passions. And it is exactly as you said. We all start the work, and we don't necessarily finish the work and I yeah, I love the theory and I think it's so beautiful but the theory sometimes falls short of the I think it's the mental game of writing a book that I found fascinating and that became important to me so that's how I ended up here. It's interesting to hear about your, your sort of background in sort of advertising because one of the things because we, we work with a lot of self-published authors and, and one something that a lot of people maybe don't realize is that once you've released that book, it's, a, it's almost like running your own business and, and, and advertising is, is a big part of that. Uh, do you think that that background sort of helped you um, in terms of your own writing? <laughs> um, so I got trained as a copywriter and I think the one thing that taught me was how to condense words. So um, I think that was the hardest thing for me to have to unlearn from advertising was to to learn how to write long, where I was learned to write extremely short. And so flash to me is a breeze. A novel to me is like, whoo. But yeah, no, it is that marketing brain and it is having to like learn how to market your book. Um, I think that's, you know, one thing it's, it's an advantage, but it's also one of the cruelest things is that an author has to wear so many hats. And um, I think I've been lucky in the extent that I've always, I've, I, was, I was raised by entrepreneurs. So for me, my parents have always had their own business. So for me, it was kind of like, it was dinner table talk um, to do, you know, advertising, how are you going to do this? How does this work and stuff? So, I mean, obviously it's changed so much. I mean, social media and the internet has altered the landscape drastically. But um, yeah, to me, it was something that almost came quite, simply and easily but I think the beauty of it is it's definitely something that can be learned 
So, um, you know, even with all the changes and everything, as much as as much as I knew, I've had to unlearn it and learn the new stuff again. So, yeah, it's it was an advantage, but I think it was so long ago that I've had to learn all the new tricks. So what inspired you to start Deadlines for Writers? Um, my own absolute lack of, of writing. Um, I, I think it was in... I was in one of the coolest positions, you know, I was writing because I was, that was when I was teaching, um, I think it was about 2016. Um, I was teaching a lot. It was fantastic. It was obviously before all of this COVID nightmare and everything. And we got to do lots of face-to-face classes. Um, we did lots of in-author um, or, you know, author in-house interviews and everything it was amazing. I got to meet the coolest authors and it was amazing. So it was really, I was talking about writing. I was reading about writing the whole time. I was blogging about writing. Um, I was teaching almost constantly, but I was doing everything except my own writing. And that's kind of where it came to, whereas like I had all this amazing theory and I had all this advice for these writers and I was doing everything but following that advice. And it was at the end of 2016 where I was faced with another year of blogging of what was I going to do? And then it was just this thing like, oh man, I was, it actually started with short stories. So I publicly stated in, I think it was December of 20, or December of November of 2017, where I stated I was, sorry, 2016, don't quote me on dates, um, where I said I was going to write 12 short stories in 12 months. And I made it a very public challenge. I put it up on Facebook. It went up on Writers Write. And um, I kind of thought everyone was like, yeah, sure, me, I go, go for it. Um, instead, everyone was like, I want to do this. How are we going to do this? Where do we post? And that's where it started. It was just, I wasn't doing anything and I had to make a public um, declaration of my intentions. And here we are seven years later. That's such a great story. You know, um, something that, that I think Joe and I feel is when we're running the pages that we, we don't always give ourselves time to, to, to yeah. write ourselves. So the fact that you've been able to, to do that and, and have such success and, and the fact that the, the sort of the, Deadline to writer sort of grew organically from that is, is mm. such an interesting, interesting story. I feel like that's a major issue with me and you at the minute, to be honest. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, it's just finding the time, just sit down and write, you know. Yeah. So um, would you recommend to sort of setting yourself those challenges? Yeah, look, I, I have a deadline for that, guys. Um, yeah. Do you know what? Um, that's absolutely where all of this stemmed from. Is... But um, I am a mum. I have two kids. Um, I have a wonderful, awesome husband who helps me so much. And my kids are of an age now where they're um, on their own and they can get going and stuff like that. So it's that bittersweet thing where they get to be independent and stuff like that. But um, it's everything I did, I did before I did my creative work. Um, literally it was, I mean, from suddenly stacking the dishwasher becomes imperative and, um, it's just, it's all these ridiculous lies and things that we tell ourselves. And, you know, especially because I'm working in the writing environment, you know, but I wrote a blog post today or I wrote an ebook, you know, that's writing. Um, but it's not my own writing. It's not my creative work. Um, the nonfiction, but in my mind, my creative work and my nonfiction work are so far removed. It's, it's like two different people are writing them. Um, it's weirdly schizophrenic, but it's okay. We, we do these awesome things and I, um, it's just, it's, it's, I've managed to, to train myself to be able to do one or the other. And um, it's just, it's so awesome. Um, that's why I love writing. Um, but it's just, I, I kept putting my creative work behind no matter what I was doing or what I was doing. My creative work never, ever got a time. It never got a turn. Um, and that's just where it kind of came from where I had to be able to do I've done it again now after I took. I ended my rewrite last year, August, and I was supposed to start again in January and January became February and February became March. And then, you know, here we are in April and I was kind of the new rewrite group was starting. I said, well, guys, <laughs> I'm going to have to join because I didn't do what I said I was going to do. Mm-hmm. And it's just because it was my own work. I meet all the other deadlines, external yeah. stuff, everything, but not my own work. Mm. Yeah, I think I, that's the same with me and you, isn't it, Michael? Really? Absolutely. I mean, I'm also I'm also a copywriter, so I, that that experience of saying, you know, I've spent my day writing, so you know, that's that's it, you know, is a familiar one for me. But you're right, and yeah. you need to sort of plug in and say, you know, this this writing is it's my own story that I need to tell. So being able to do that is quite important, I think. Um, 
something that we love about doing rogue animal is just being able to be uh, to meet people from across the world um obviously that's a very similar situation i imagine for you did you feel mm -hmm. that you've gained anything from having such a worldwide community um yeah so it's i'm always astounded you know because we do i we do weekly group calls and then everyone like clocks in so i've got a morning session and evening session so the morning is usually uk australia and then the evening sessions are the Americas and quite a few of the South Africans. Um, and it's just, it's such an awesome thing to see how, how diverse everyone is and how diverse their experiences are, what everyone does for a living. One's um, an older married gentleman. The one is a single young lady living here and the one's mom with three kids coming in and out of the Zoom call. And it's, it's all of these things, you know. So I think what I've learned about that is we are all completely, absolutely different, but we're all writers, which makes us exactly the same. And that is just something that's so amazing. And I think my, the most beautiful thing that comes out of these group sessions for me is like, oh, you guys are feeling that too. I thought it was just me, you know? And it's just this like whole, how alike we are yet, how different our experiences are and how different our challenges are. But, you know, one's taking care of a parent, one's taking care of a small child. And one has a really demanding day job, you know, so it's all of these things that we weigh up and put together, but it's just, they're, yeah, as different as we are, we're still exactly the same and we're all fighting the same fight. And do you feel that being exposed to all those different styles of writing from all these different authors has, has maybe helped you in your own writing? Um, it has. Okay. So for example, um, one of my, one of the things that happened with creative, with the copywriting was that um, obviously I learned to write short, like in extreme brevity. I mean, so for me, I would, my novels would finish at 45,000 words, which I mean, that is not something that I can do. You know, it's, it's not a publishable length. I can't submit 45,000 words to a publisher of the genre that I'm aiming for. So um, what I had to learn was what I was leaving out and what I had to add in. And I was actually had this today because um, it's someone I've known on the site for, years I mean she's such a talented writer she's beautiful she wrote the most amazing book last year she had publication deal I'm so excited for it. it's beautiful and she started reading my story in the rewrite this year and she was like going but Mia this is like it's not my cup of tea but I want to read this and it's so awesome and I thought okay well she commented on mine I'm going to comment on hers and it's like literally our writing is absolute polar opposites it's we are so far removed <laughs> from each other in terms of writing styles mm. but it's just it's I learned from her because I tend to lots of action, lots of dialogue. I seriously lack internal dialogue and she excels at that. So to be able to read this writer who's really, really good at that. And then I'm hoping she can learn from me in terms of adding in more dialogue, adding in more um, action. So it's just, yeah, it's the most beautiful thing to see all of these stories. And um, we use, I don't know if you've seen, but we use writing prompts. So um to have one prompt go out and to receive like over a hundred stories and each one is so radically different. I think that is the most beautiful thing to learn from and to see from. It's just creativity knows no bounds. It's awesome. Yeah, definitely. We, we've started um, using prompts as well this year and it's quite interesting to see sort of the variety of responses you get from just what, you know, a simple image mm -hmm. or a sentence, you know. Yeah, it's just, I mean, yeah, we've, it's been seven years. So we do prompts for write, we do prompts for short stories. We do prompts for um, poetry. And do you know, it's, it's such a weird thing. It's like one of the biggest kickbacks that I get like, oh, but I can't write a prompt. So I don't like this. I can't do this. But I was so like, the prompt is where the magic is because that's, that's the, it's the variable that you weren't expecting. And it just, it does something where it just unleashes magic that it's, just, and I know because it does it for my own writing. So that's, I think, I don't make anyone do anything in the writing that I haven't done myself. And I just know what it does for me. So it's just the prompts are, I can't explain it. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah. There's um, so many tips and items appearing regularly on, I can't really say it, well, on the page. There's so much appearing. Do you ever run out of ideas? Um. I think that's something that advertising taught me. 
was that you can't possibly run out of ideas. I don't think a creative person can run out of ideas. Um, yes, you can have slumps by all means. Um, I firmly believe in cycles. So I don't like Mondays to Fridays are horrible things for me. Um, I will go through an insanely productive cycle and then I'll go through a very um, like low key, I'm not doing anything cycle. And um, that's where the creativity. So there are times when my creativity blooms and I know I have to, go crazy and I have to um, I think that's also what blogging taught me because um, I blogged I think for five or six years solid where I had to have a post every Wednesday um, and it was literally um, I mean you needed a post and you had to put it up and that's what it taught me was like and I think that's what deadlines do um, so it just there's it's yeah you it, it's a Louis L'Amour quote I think actually he said the writing doesn't flow if the faucet isn't turned on um, time and again, if I turned up to my computer and I said, we need a blog post, we delivered one. So yeah, that's, it was just, I don't think you can run out of creativity. It's, it's creativity just makes more creativity. I think Maya Angelou said that I'm paraphrasing, but um, it's just the scenes, the more creative you are, the more creative things become. Yeah, definitely. So when did you realize that, that you enjoyed writing as, as well as reading books? Was it something quite early on or, or more more recently in life? Um, I think my imaginary friend as a child may have been an indication. <laughs> um, but yeah, I know I've always adored reading. Um, I Nancy Drew books, I think I lived in them for the longest time. And when my Nancy Drews were finished, I read all my brother's Hardy Boys. And I mean, we didn't have the bevy of children's books that we had today. And then you had to move on to the adult books. So um, I've always been a relentless reader. And I remember in school, I mean, you know, when we had to do the creative writing or the essays or the story writing, everyone was like, oh, it's creative writing today. And I was like, yes, it's creative writing today. Um, so yeah, math is not my talent, um, but stories have just always, I've um, actually, I grew, weirdly enough, I grew up in the movies. My dad was a manager for our local um, movie um, company the franchise was called stack Unicorn in south africa and my dad worked for them and um we used to go to work with him over weekends and part of his package was that he got a certain number of family comps so i literally grew up in the movies um i'm still terrified of never-ending story i know they're remaking it now and it's i should be excited but it's like literally they've bottled my childhood trauma and they're giving it back to me um so yeah i think i grew up in stories so i've always been obsessed with them it, it's quite interesting I mean, it's fantastic that you're able to have that experience of, of being surrounded by the sort of movies and and the production of those do you, do you think that that sort of different style of, of writing has maybe influenced you in in a sense definitely <laughs> um i yeah my students always laugh at me because um i am i'm using the word obsessed a lot of times but i mean i'm obsessed with dialogue yeah. Um, I absolutely adore dialogue. My stories often start with huge chunks of dialogue and then I have to go back. That's what I said. Um, when I end up with a very short manuscript, I've learned what I have to do to go back and to flesh out because primarily I have talking heads. It's just like dunk, 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 dunk. So I have to go back and I have to give them bodies and put them in settings and um, make them do things while they're talking. Um, so, and if you look at screenplays, um, you know, besides the, you know, camera one fade in, fade out and the well, fun stuff, um, it's so dialogue. So my writing is definitely dialogue heavy. And I do think that comes from movies. That's interesting. Yeah. Cause for me, it's, it's sort of the opposite. I, I often struggle more with the dialogue uh, side of it. So it, it's interesting to see those different sort of approaches. <laughs> Yeah, I think me, I, I definitely prefer writing dialogue myself rather than <laughs> anything else. Um, what motivates you as a writer? Um, oh, motivation is such a difficult thing because, I mean, I think as writers, we are our, <laughs> the worst saboteurs. Um, so we do terrible things to ourselves and to our creativity. Um, but as I said, at for the longest time, I was the master procrastinator and I was so good at putting off my writing and I was so good 
Um, I mean, my kids were really tiny and just having small children is very demanding. And I had small children and I worked a lot. Um, that was when I was teaching a lot and my commute was long and it was it's the coolest job. And I come home to my cute little kids and I have to like really, you know, still do all of these things and then still find time to write after dinner and lunch boxes and all those things. So, um, um I'm trying to go back to your question, Joe. You asked me what, what motivates me to write. Um, I, it's a Brene Brown quote. Um, and it kind of, it was a podcast I was listening to on one of those long commutes um, up and down to teaching. And um, she was talking to Elizabeth Gilbert on a big magic card podcast, which I absolutely adore. And um, Brene Brown said, um, unused creativity is not benign. And that kind of got stuck in the back of my head and it lived with me for a little while um, where I was just like kind of, you know, all of this rashiness, all of this like kind of um, irritation with my work and the short temperedness is because it doesn't have that outlet. Um, and I kept bottling it up and saying one day, one day, I'll do it again. I'll do it later. You know, I'm doing this now. I'll do it then. And I kept putting off my creative work. And I think eventually that builds up and it takes a toll. Um, where I kind of got to a breaking point where I needed to make a drastic decision and decide that either I'm going to tell myself I'm never, ever doing this again, or do I want to write and do I really want to write? So I think it was that I have to make a decision between a dream and a goal. Yeah. And like I said, it, it, I don't think it was as intentional as I'm making it sound. It was something that took a long time to grow and to decide what I wanted to do. And like I said, Deadlines for Writers and 12 Short Stories was the happiest accident of my entire life. But I think that was the manifestation of that unused creativity that mm. I had to channel somewhere. And um, yeah, here we are today. So it's just, I needed a creative outlet and that's where I had to go. So that motivation, um, I'm really miserable and unhappy when I'm not doing my work and I'm not the best version of myself. And I, I know I can be better than that. So it's mm. just... And it, it's five minutes a day. That's what I need. Yeah. That's what it's come down to. Definitely. I think we all feel like that at definitely some point. <laughs> definitely for me. Yeah, it's, uh, it's our, our, our lives still so much of our writing time. And it's all, it all seems so sanctioned. <laughs> you know, your job's important. Family is important. I mean, we're not going to debate that. Your friends are important. But it's, and it's because I think you have to steal it for yourself. And something I have started saying to myself was I have to stop rewarding myself with my creative work um, I always used to tell myself if I write my blog post or if I finish this piece of work I'm allowed to do my creative writing mm. um, and I flipped that around where I said once I've done my creative writing I will do this work and it's made me more productive in my creative work mm. and in my work but that's like I said it's it's the end of a a very long, very ugly process, yeah. um, but I've come to that realization. Yeah, that's, that's really, really interesting. That definitely, yeah. really interesting. Um, you, you mentioned people uh, putting things off regularly. You know, I think that's a struggle for a lot of writers. Um, something that Deadlines for Writers does is sets weekly and monthly deadlines. So, mm -hmm. how important do you think it is for motivation uh, to have a constant set of goals? Words like deadlines and goals, I think, have gotten such a bad rap. Um, you know, if you go onto the internet and you start looking, and I'm again, I'm saying this because I've been there. I know I'm using these words myself, but I mean, it's just I remember when I was at that really, really hard time. Like my kids were little, I was working full time. Um, I was really having a hard time finding my time to write. I mean, I was just exhausted. I mean, it was just there was no hope for me to find this creative stuff and then telling someone to set these goals for me and to do these, you know, I need these, these goals. I need these, I need to do this and I need to do this by this time. Um, those things are important and you need them, but that's also like kind of, it's a level that you attain or something that you move towards. So with deadlines for writers, we, as I said, you've said, we have the monthly deadlines, we have the weekly deadlines. Um, at the moment now, we have a 30 days of flash going, which is, those are daily deadlines. You write every day for 30 days. Um, it's hectic. You have to decide if you want to do it and go for it. But um, for me, it was just finding those times to do those little things. So um, I remember when I started 12 Short Stories, um, there is a Ray Bradbury quote, um, and he said, if you 
write one short story a week or if, write one short story a week it's impossible to write 52 bad stories in a row or something like that again i'm paraphrasing and i just remember going this man is nuts how on earth can you do 52 short story how can you write one story a week it's, it's madness i cannot do it and then i thought okay i'll do one short story a month and it was something that um i had done before about two or three years ago i also very publicly stated i was going to do it i failed miserably i got to march um and then when i said it again it was just like kind of well eesh, okay i'm gonna do it and i think it was my mindset that was different and it was the fact that everyone said i want to do this too and we went from the writers right website to the facebook page from the facebook page we went to the group or to the um to the website that it is kind of still today um but it was just it's 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 those things you have to set those little goals for yourself and if one short story a month is doable go for it if two short stories a month is awesome that's great i remember about three years into 12 short stories i was getting bored because i was cracking one short story a month i was doing it but it was that constant deciding that this is what i wanted to do and that's what i was going to do but it was I'm, <laughs> I'm, not the, I'm not the best when it comes to this stuff. So my thing is, so if I have to go to an exercise class, my only goal is to show up. That's all. If I have a really good session and I put in all, that's great. If I show up and I stand in the corner and stare at the people for a while, that's also okay. My only goal was to show up. And the same with the deadlines. Um, if your goal is to post one short story a month, that's all you have to do. And I don't want your best work. I want your bravest work. And sometimes just posting that is your bravest work. So um, it's motivation is a, is a horrible thing. We have to learn to write in spite of the muse. I think that's what it comes down to is, is the muse is a horribly fickle, I don't want to call them things. I'm reading, um, I think it's, oh, what, I have to look at the book every time. It's Stephen Pressfield's book. Um, it is called The Art of, The War of Art. There we go. I keep turning it, it's flipping it over. And um, he speaks about the muses quite often. Um, and I've just kind of taught myself that, you know, if the muse rocks up, that's great. I'm so happy. But when I say time and again, if you show up to the page, your characters will show up to the page. And that is, that is the best motivation I've ever had. It's, it's not, it hasn't come from an external source. And I think um, that's sometimes where we get wrong is we want that motivation to come from publication success, winning competitions, which is brilliant. Do it by all means. But if that's the only validation you have for your writing, you're going to find your motivation to be very difficult. Yeah. I think something that's great about setting yourself that sort of daily or monthly challenge as well is for me, especially I, I tend to write um, with, you know, I start with a scene and then something grows from there. So mm -hmm. I imagine that when, when you're doing sort of regular short stories, there's, there's a potential of finding something wider that could potentially become a novel um, so I, is that something you found? You find that writers have, have, have found inspiration from some of these shorter tasks to, to do something larger? Uh, that's definitely what's happened to me. Um, but yes, definitely. Um, so many of our writers, um, I speak to them and, you know, it's a, so you can either write 12 standalone short stories or you can write, I've done it twice where I've written a continuing series. So the one was a series Weirdly enough, it started in December of the one year and I carried on through the December of the next year. So I have 13 short stories. So it comes to about 15, 16,000 words. And then um, actually for the novel that I'm working on at the moment, it's a fantasy novel and I'm, I've never written fantasy before. It's the first fantasy I've ever written. Um, it started as a short story and it started in January 2020 of that year. Okay, <laughs> that one. Um, and... I remember it was the night before the deadline. I think it was like the fifth or the fourth year of 12 short stories going, I was going to fail my own challenge. I don't have a story. And it was about 11 o'clock the night before the deadline. And then these characters just popped onto the page and they were the story I followed through the year. And when I say they are the story I followed, or they are the characters I followed, um, I don't know if you guys plot. And um, if you plot, I'm very proud of you. Um, I'm not a plotter. Um, I am a, a rocker-upper and see what happens. Um, I do, I write a bit, I plan a bit, I write a bit, I plan a bit, so I've got a combination of the two going. But um, I really, um, that, that it was just the most amazing thing on earth. And I've gone from those first 15,000 words, I think I'm sitting on 120,000 word novel at the moment, which still needs a lot of work. 
I'm not denying that at all, but it grew out of a prompt in a short story. Mm. And it's what, it just keeps proving to me time and again, if you show up, your character show up. And I think we're running 52 scenes now. It's our fourth group. And every week those guys show up going, oh man, I don't know what to write. I don't have a story. I don't have a scene. What are we going to do? And then at the end of the hour, they go, hey, I have a scene. And it just show up to the page, guys. That's all I can tell you. If you show up, your character show up. Yeah, definitely. So as an author um, working by yourself, it's easy to feel isolated. How important is the indie author community for the motivation? Um, so, I mean, my whole site is built around community and working together. Um, when Before I had the website and I worked alone, um, I had very definite points of failure. Um, and I can only see it now in hindsight, um, but like how I, I just, it was alone, you got trapped. So um, we work a lot with readers. I mean, we team up very quickly. You start with your novel and with a short story. So you post one and you comment on four. So we kind of have constant feedback and talking the whole time. Um, where, which is a very foreign and new concept for a lot of writers. So um, having someone read such a raw version of your work um, takes immense bravery. And um, really, I mean, you need to want to do it to let other people read such a raw version of your work. Um, I don't think a writer can exist without a community um and i think that sometimes especially you know with i think that that's where the clicky feeling around traditionally published authors come from is that the minutes there's that traditionally published vibe you know it feels like they've become part of this click and they're in in this group and i think it's just we just form a different community and it's a different kind of group um so if anything i would tell writers to stop writing alone um, but find the right group of people to surround yourself with. Um, if you're in the wrong writing group or in the wrong writing environment, it is so detrimental to your creativity, to your mental health, to everything. You need to really surround yourself with the right people. And if you even have to ask yourself, are these my people without a resounding yes, I'm going to tell you, you really have to evaluate where you are. Um, we, I'm, I'm teaching a petite class on Thursday, so I'm a little bit, this is top of mind stuff for me. Um, I'm slightly obsessed with kindness and feedback. Um, and that was my biggest fear when I started the site was that having writers comment on other people's work um, and I've been on communities and I'm on lots of book review forums and everything where I think the sole purpose of those people are to tear an author down. Um, and that to me is just no one gets anywhere out of that. The stories stop, um, the happiness stops, everything stops. So um, I'm slightly obsessed with being supportive and helping each other. And if we don't learn and grow together, we might as well stop. I mean, it's just if, if we're only there to to break each other down and say, oh, this is the worst thing ever. There is, it might not be the greatest story ever, but there are ways around us and there are things to say and ways to improve. I've not met a story that I haven't been able to say. If we try this, I think it'll be better. So, um, sorry, that's like a, a little pet peeve. Rant over. <laughs> no, I, I completely agree. I think community is so important for, for indie mm -hmm. authors. And as you say, there's so yep. many groups that either it's just full of spam and you can't, you know, all you're seeing is people, you know, unmoderated posts going up or you've got people who are just being unpleasant and aren't supporting each other. And so finding the groups such as yours is, I think is so important. And yeah, mm -hmm. that's why those groups are so important. Uh, oh, you got a lot of groups that just, that's um, totally unrelated to writing that gets posted in. Mm, yeah um i'm i've got a very strong hold on what gets published in my group and um, i literally approve every post and um i think people get very frustrated with me because um i don't post external links i very very rarely do um unless it's something of value that i found or that someone else has found and even if it's a link that they post i'll go check the link to see that it is valuable yeah. um because I don't know about you guys, but I get so many people who join my group and within the five minute, five minutes of joining, 
they're spamming me with this book, this course, this thing, I've written this, look at this, mm -hmm. go read my short story. And I'm kind of like, it's, this is a community and we share and we serve. If you rock up with, with an ask before having shared or helped or encouraged, you know, I'm kind of like, why? I'm, I'm not here for that. Yeah. Um, so, so that was something I've kind of been a little bit pedantic about. Um, just because I want my writers to learn and grow from good things and healthy things and happy things. And I mean, Joe, you guys, you spoke about the, the community and the indie author community. I mean, that becomes so much more important after publication. Mm -hmm. um, you know, because I work, I always think my work happens pre-publication because I help the writers finish their stories and their drafts and stuff like that. Whereas I think you guys are perhaps exposed a lot more than I am to to the after the after publication part yeah you know and getting the books out there and stuff and i mean you know <laughs> i keep saying this but i mean no part of this process is easy but mm. when you compare the marketing and the sales to the writing part the writing part is almost the easy part you know <laughs> whereas not while you're doing it that's not easy but you know it's i think you were talking about earlier michael is is like putting on that marketing hat and be taking on a whole different role and then running this book as a business and stuff. It, it's such a different thing. And that is where your community is really going to serve you and help you and say, I can do this for you. I can do that. And it's just, and that's where the give and receive thing comes from. It's just, if yeah. you, you help, we promote, we look at this, we go for it. And it's, and you know what, it's when it's, when it's people who've actually read your book and, worked on the book and loved the book as much as you have. It's a whole different sales process. And I use the word sale loosely. I mean, that is the end goal, but it's not that spammy, icky feeling of, I want to smear my book off of someone. It's really, I believe in the story. It's awesome. I think you should read it. That's a whole other different experience. And that's where your community, that's what your community does for you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, having that, that sort of the people who, who, who are there, who can, once you've released your book, you can share your links, who can, who can just help sort of spread the word is, is, is so important. Mm -hmm. um, and we get so many people who, who, who turn up in the group and, and maybe we'll just po post a link and that's it, you know, not even a description mm -hmm. of the book. Um, <laughs> and we always say that, you know, that's not going to get you anywhere. No one's going to buy that. Yeah. So it, it's, it's so important yeah. to put those links. Um, it's, uh, we, ha we have so much to learn as writers. I mean, it's just like once you've mastered the writing process, like, woo, oh, there's a character arc, I'm awesome. Then it's this whole marketing thing. And it's just, it's, I, I don't think it comes naturally to people. It's just, I know it, it's something that I've had to learn and I've had to work at and stuff. Um, so I don't think it's easy for anyone. So I sometimes understand people just posting a link, but it's definitely not, um, no, that's not, you yeah. can't do it like that. And we have to learn better. Mm, absolutely yeah. i think oh, like me and michael we've definitely made plenty of mistakes in the past oh, absolutely <laughs> yeah. yeah i think i think so sort of that's the only way you grow isn't it as a writer yeah. is, is by making those mistakes and then sort of learning from them yeah i think it's a nelson mandela quote he said um you either win or you learn those are the two options there's nothing else so and yeah well then you have to try otherwise you'll never get to the winning or the learning yeah so uh, finishing a first draft of a novel is one thing, but once that novel is out there, um, well, not, uh, sorry, before, before it's out there, but, but you're sort of stuck in that sort of endless editing cycle. Um, how, how can you sort of avoid that situation and how can you stay motivated mm. during the editing process? Um, so you actually see the book through and get it released. Um, yeah, that's also, oh, that's such a difficult process. Um, so either, writers let go too quickly or they hang on too long okay those those are the two options i was like the writing world is always divided into one or the other there's never a middle ground <laughs> we aim for the middle ground but it always seems to be these two extremes um so i either have writers who are i've typed the end i'm going to publish and it's done and i have very rarely in my 13 years of experience come across a manuscript that was ready for publication after the first draft okay um, and I'm not talking about fixing typos. I'm talking about serious continuity, story arc, character development, um, plot making sense, that, that stuff. I mean, so that's why I said, I, I know writers who plot have, um, you know, maybe fewer things to fix or stuff like that. But there is still, I've, I don't buy into the school of thought. I know there's quite a few of these things like 
this story was written in two days, the story was written in seven days. Um, it's not the final published manuscript, okay? Yes, the first draft was written in that, but there is still a lot of work that happened after that. And then most of the times there's been rigorous editing by a lot of really good professionals before that book hit the market, okay? So I kind of, that's another little pet peeve I have of these books being published, you know, as somehow these fly-by-night successes. So you don't want to, let your book go just after the first draft. There's a lot of work to do, um, but you also don't want to hang on to it forever. And that is where you have to decide. And that's the hard part is, is when is it too long? When is it not long enough? Um, so for me, it's usually, and this is kind of, oh, this is where ego comes in and everything. You need to remove yourself out of the equation and you have to decide. And that is usually time and distance. Okay. And that's the hardest part because it's done and I want to get it out and woohoo. Um, so I usually believe in time and distance, um, a good few weeks, at least months aren't bad, but I don't want you to put it in the drawer and forget about it. Um, but take a few, few weeks off from the book and then go back to it and look at it if you can with fresh eyes. Okay. And my rule of thumb is literally, if there is nothing you can think to change, and this is also, we're going to have to call yourself out because there are things you know you're going to change, but you kind of go, oh, I'm tired. I'm sick of the story. Do I kind of have to really let me see when I put it on the market what they say? Okay. If you have those feelings, you're not ready. Okay. Um, you have to, and it, it's a knowing you have inside of you that this book is the best that I can make it. Meaning I've done it to the best of my abilities. I've done everything. Once again, I'm not necessarily talking about typos and proofreading and stuff like that. Uh, my rule of thumb is, can I pay someone to fix this or do I have to fix it myself? And paying someone to fix it are these things like the typos and the, the grammar and the edits and stuff like that. Those things, there's a professional service that can fix those things for me, but story is my baby. No one's going to fix my story for me. Um, so if I know my story is 100% the best I can make it and my continuity is sorted and stuff, that's when I'll start letting it go. Um, I'm a huge fan of manuscript appraisals. Um, I really think that's where someone, um, it's a good structural edit or um, a nice story edit where someone really looks at your story and your characters and everything. So that's, like I said, it's still far down the line from your grammar and your proofreading and the language edits. This is just someone who looks at story. Um, so that's usually my indication where I know I'm ready to start sharing my story when I look at it and I know there's nothing need to change anymore. But that's something you have to be very, very honest with yourself about because am I just sick of the story or am I really sure it's ready to go? I think what you were saying earlier about the idea of coming back to a story with fresh eyes as well is, is so important because just taking that time to step away, you can really sort of appreciate what you've written in a new light and, and see some of the problems maybe more. Yeah, one of the things we do is like we write for 52 weeks and you write your first draft and then we step away and then we come back and we do the second draft at double time. So where the first draft happens over 52 weeks, the second draft happens over six, 26 weeks. Um, but now you've had that time and distance and memory is a very fickle thing. I mean, I would remember that, oh, the scene was epic. I wrote the best scene that week. Now read the scene and I was like, oh, really? Oh. Oh, really? I wrote that? But it's because it was a story breakthrough and not necessarily a writing breakthrough, okay? And then vice versa, I was like, oh, this week I got that terrible scene. It was a horrible scene. I can't believe I actually shared that in public. And then when I look at the scene, I go, hey, this is not half bad. I can, I need to fix this. Yes, this isn't great. But it's that's where we, as writers, I think are terrible judges of our own work. <laughs> we, we just don't have the objectivity. And I think that's where... Um, the distance and the time helps. Yeah, definitely. If an author finishes a book and it doesn't sell well, it can be hard to write another. What tips can you give people in this situation? Um, that is the best advice um, Amanda Patterson from Writers Write gave me. She said, Mia, the minute you send that book to a publisher and you have sent the query letter and everything, you close the door on that book and you start page one, sentence one, new story. So that by the time that, and what is success? Okay, you can have a book that is commercially successful. You can have a book that is um, critically acclaimed, whatever, and it may not have the commercial success you want. So what is success? Okay, so first of all, you need to define success yourself as an author. What is it that you expect from that book? But Stop thinking about those things. Those are the external motivations once again. Send the book off to the publisher. 
give it out. Um, Margaret Atwood has a fantastic series of what happens to a book after the author has sent it off and how the author no longer has ownership or possession of the book because it becomes this entity on its own that's interpreted by other people. Okay. Um, but that's very woo-woo. Okay. So stop, send it off. If it gets published, that's fantastic. But by the time the publication success or failure happens, you've got a new manuscript. And that new manuscript is awesome and you're excited about it and you love it. And then you just repeat the process. You send it off to a publisher and you start with your book. It feels counterintuitive, but we have to stop thinking of publishing or commercial success as our only success as authors. You have to really, really evaluate why you write. And because if we chase publication the whole time, we're going to chase trends, we're going to chase other styles, we're going to chase authors who are popular, and we're not going to be true to ourselves. And when you're true to yourself and you write with confidence, that's when your success happens. It, it's interesting that you mentioned, you know, uh, people going through to the sort of traditional publication process, maybe sending off to an agent or whatever. Mm -hmm. how, how many of, uh, how many would you say of your, your group go through the traditional process and how many are sort of go through the self-published route? Mm -hmm um so okay we're dividing into quarters okay sorry let's go fourth quarter are those who don't finish okay um there aren't a lot of them but there are a definite number of writers who give up during the process and for a variety of reasons sometimes it's health reasons sometimes um it's just a crisis of faith or confidence and they don't finish okay but i mean we're looking i think i said between a 60 to 70 percent success rate so out of that 60 or 70 percent i'll divide it again into the quarters and like i said the one third is determined to traditionally publish um the other one the self-publishers the indie authors who want to do what they want to and then those who put the book in the drawer and say i'll come back to it one day so once again no one can tell you which one of those authors you are um you have to decide for yourself how badly you want it and what you want out of publication um that's again where you have to decide one of the questions i always ask my authors um in our from the publication series, those who have had publication success, is what does success look like for you? And very few of them actually say money, um, which is never not, never a bad thing. I mean, I'm always money as a tool and we can do beautiful things with it. Um, but if that's your goal, you're going to be in trouble. But they say things like, I want to stand in my friend's house and see my book on their shelf. Those those are the things. And if I think those are your, your thoughts and what you really want, um, but yeah, um, my, my rule of thumb with that is, is that is the most personal decision you'll ever make. Um, no one, your best friend can be the most successful indie author on earth. And if you want to traditionally publish, you're going to traditionally publish and you go do that. That's your path to follow. And it has pros and cons, indie authors, pros and cons. No one can tell you what's right or wrong. Uh, and, and I think regardless of whether you're a traditional author or self-published, um, something we all struggle with is the issue of procrastination. That's something that you seem to focus on within, within your, uh, with your page. So what are the best ways of avoiding procrastinating? <laughs> yeah, I think I, I'm like a, ma a Jedi master when it comes to procrastination. Um, do you know what? I've learned that procrastination is part of my process. Um, it's something I do, but I'm also, I'm not one of those people who can just write. Um, I'm in awe of people who can journal. I can't journal. Um, if you know those, you can just sit down and these words flow beautifully and fantastically. Um, so there are two books that were really definitive for me. The one is The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. And the other one is um, A Writer's Book of Days by Judy Reeves. And with Judy Reeves, I, and that's where I learned the power of prompts and um, was through her book. Um, I got so much writing done with Judy Reeves because I sat down and I could do a fiction piece. Whereas with The Artist's Way, it was journaling. It was, it's also morning pages. I'm not great in the morning. Um, but it's just, it's such a powerful book. I really, really appreciated it. But I found A Rash's Book of Days much more helpful to, to get my to get my stuff done you know it, it kind of got me out of the way of me um so yeah procrastination I got to interview Raymond E. Feist from who wrote The Magician and he said to me in his interviews with me procrastination is just a manifestation of your fear and that was also something that has just always stuck in the back of my head and because my first thought was I'm not scared of anything what do you mean ha ha and then it just kind of came out you know it's like that but what if I finish this book because I got to the point where I had 
about three or four manuscripts. So close. I still have them sitting there. They're so close to finish, but I never finish them. I'm like literally full word count, awesome stories, but I just don't get to the rewrites. I just don't get to that. And that's where I realized that's how I procrastinated. I would write the whole manuscript, but I just wouldn't. Other writers get to 13,000 words, 7,000 words and go, I don't want to do this anymore. I want a new story. That's where the shiny new idea comes in. So we all procrastinate and our fear manifests in different ways. And a lot of writers have a lot of resistance. We don't want to hear we're scared. Um, but it's just our fear that manifest, manifests in all kinds of different ways in different places. Um, and that's what deadlines taught me. And that's what also I'm also, I mean, I think that also comes from advertising. That's why I give my writers a word count. I give them a deadline and I give them a prompt. And with a combination of those three things, um, the more um, you box me in, the more creative I am, the more things I do. And I think that's how I get over my procrastination. I go, oh, but I need to use this word count. Oh, I need to do this. This is so difficult. And then I kind of forget <laughs> about myself and then I get the writing done. So, yeah, procrastination is there for all of us. We just have to learn to use it as a tool. Absolutely. So what tricks do you personally use when your inspiration is a bit flat? <laughs> um, I deep clean my dishwasher. <laughs> That's what I do. <laughs> um, I said that I'm not one of those writers who can just write. Um, so I'm usually, I don't start writing until I have an idea, but I've also trained myself to stop getting around that. I've also, I've learned that, while I'm deep cleaning the dishwasher, I'm seriously thinking about my story. Um, or I walk a lot. Um, I'm a walker. I literally, I like zoom around the block. It's quite silly. I think my neighbors think I'm um, a very odd person um, because I do a lot of walking. So that's where um, a lot of my ideas will, I untangle my knots. Mm. Um, and so the walking really helps. Deep cleaning the dishwasher is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, and it's just, it's, I've learned that I'm allowed to procrastinate, but I have to stop. That's, that's what I do. That is my, I, I have my indulgences and I'm allowed to do this. And okay, one Netflix episode and that's done. Then I have to get my writing done. Um, but it's also something I've, it's, it's something that's taken time to do. Um, another thing I've also learned, which is also a recent thing, is stop calling yourself a procrastinator. Um, I know it's funny and I know we hide behind it and it's another mask, but um, I have kind of learned lately, like what I say to myself nestles in my head. And the more I tell myself I'm a procrastinator, the more I procrastinate. So I've just kind of done this little thing. Like I'm a writer. If I'm not writing right now, it's okay. I'm cleaning the dishwasher, but I'm going to come back and I'm going to do my writing. So stop saying you're a procrastinator and start saying you're a writer. I like the fact that you mentioned uh, sort of walking as well as being a way of finding inspiration because that's definitely something that's helped me. I mean, I see something like a, maybe a, an interesting street name or something like that, and I think, oh, that's a, that, you know, I can use that. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting where all these sort of inspirations can come from. Yeah, outside is a beautiful place. It just, it does, I think sometimes when you're sitting in front of a screen, it like sucks you in, it becomes so small, um, and you forget that there's a lot of outside out there. So just if you, just awesome. Um, so just to sort of wrap up, um, what's next for Deadlines for Writers? Uh, what events do you have coming up? We are actually on Thursday. We're doing the Haruka Tea class. It's free and open to the public, so you're welcome to join us. Um, we have got there. You know, lots of our challenges have just started. Um, so we, the rewrite is underway and 52 scenes are galloping along. They've just started their middles. Um, but yeah, we have the monthly short stories deadline and a monthly mm. um, poetry deadline. So our next short story is due this Wednesday. And our next poetry deadline is due next Wednesday. So that's kind of what we're getting up to. Um, we're wrapping up with 30 days of flash fiction challenge on the 30th. Um, and then we'll probably do one again later in the year. But yeah, for now, I think our next big event is I'm planning another 30 days of plotting, which is something we did last year for the first time um, because I'm not a plotter. And that was a, a very big thing for me to learn um, was how many different ways there are to plot. And that when I kind of got to the point where I was like, but hey, I'm actually plotting this thing. It's just not what plotting looks like to other people. It's what it looks like to me. So that's where the 30 days of plotting came from. So we're going to be doing that sometime during the second half of the year. 
that's our biggest next event. Is there <laughs> any message you'd like to leave our listeners with? A message? Um, oh, be so kind to yourselves. It's writing is hard enough. Okay. Um, there is so much criticism out in the world is that you don't need to criticize yourself. Okay. Um, just show up to the page. Your characters will be there. Trust your characters. Um, they won't lead you astray. They'll lead you to interesting places, but they won't lead you astray. Um, and just to trust the process of writing and to trust yourself and to trust in your own talent. Um, hard things to do. Um, it's not easy, but you, you've got it and you can do it. Just the fact that you've made it all the way to the end of this podcast um, means that you are dedicated and very, very um, enthusiastic about your writing so trust that and love that okay be your own fan I think that's the first thing <laughs> that's a great message um, so we'll be sure to put all the links to deadline for writers and all your pages uh, in the, the description so people can go and check those out now I, I highly urge people to do that um, but Mia thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us I, it's, you've given us some really great insights and um, yeah really. okay. great uh, as I say, the, the motivation topic is something that so many people struggle with. So it's mm. great to have your perspective on that. Um, oh, no, thank you so much for thinking of me. It's so cool. Um, I don't know if you intended to have such a long podcast, but I get very excited. <laughs> so thank you so much for your time. And thank you for having me. And I just, oh, all the best of luck with your absolutely awesome project. It's truly amazing what you guys are doing. And I'm so happy to be sharing this time with you. Thanks, Mia. That was fantastic. Hopefully people have found some ways to stay motivated within their own writing. So something we said we were going to do on the podcast was review a different book from an indie author each month. People can send in their books. There'll be a link in the description of the podcast for people to do that. Uh, this month, we've chosen Dawn of the Dustbringer by Stephen E. Seal. Uh, and I'm going to start by reading a description of the, the book. So the wood elf Knox has been having strange dreams, little knowing that they are connected to a prophecy and that soon he will be facing sorcerers and tyrants in a battle for the future of the entire realm of Anahima. I don't think that's how it's pronounced, but uh, his success could lead to a new age of wonder or, fail or his failure doom the realm to centuries of darkness. So what we said we're going to do with this, instead of giving a review, we don't want to be putting anyone down. So we just wanted to highlight what we enjoyed about this section. So we're going to say th three things each about what we enjoyed. So I'll, I'll start off with my three and then Joe can do can do his so uh, the chapter begins with a conflict between a, a serpent and an owl and i think the author did a really good job in this section of getting into the minds of those creatures you can almost sort of picture every blow within the fight uh, and that's something that i find quite difficult within my writing uh, is, is writing about conflict because uh, i don't you know it's difficult to keep it interesting you know especially something like a, if he's describing a sword fight how do you how do you keep it going and, and engage the reader so finding the way to to, to keep that momentum going throughout that is, 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 I think, quite a difficult thing. So the author did very, very well there, uh, especially considering that this was told from the perspective of animals. Uh, something else that I really enjoyed was that you get a strong sense of place. You can tell that the author has thought a great deal about the world that this is set in. Throughout the chapter, we're introduced to different words that the Wood Elves use. Uh, I'd be interested to know how the author came up with these words and how far they've gone in terms of creating a language. I guess there's a risk here that the story could become too lore heavy uh, at an early stage. So it will be interesting to see how the author goes about in integrating these elements as the story progresses. Uh, and, and the third thing was that I was really quite intrigued by the main character of Nox. He's part snow elf and is mocked by members of his clan uh, because of that. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see how his sense of identity is explored as the story uh, continues. Uh, so go on, Joe, do you want to um, give some of the things you enjoyed? So, yeah, I liked the descriptions of everything, like Michael's saying. And I also really like how it structured the whole story. Um, I think it was very well written. Yeah, the structure was written in a way that each scene felt like there was a nice flow between. There wasn't anything that felt too jarring or anything like that, which can be quite off-putting at the start of a book. And I think, like Michael said, um, the sense of place that you get from the story, I feel like that was a major highlight for me in terms of 
actually feeling like you're there. But yeah, like I said, this is an interesting story. So if people want to check it out, there'll be a link within the description so people can go and, and buy that. All right, then. Uh, thank you for listening, everyone. We've been enjoying doing these, so going to be doing a lot more in the future. And yeah, hope you keep on coming back and listening. So yes, thanks again to everyone. Um, if you've got any ideas for future topics, like always, send them in. If you would like us to talk about your book on the podcast, again, you know where to go. There's a link. So uh, yeah, send your books in. If you're new, if you're new to the actual podcast or to Rogue Animal, us ourselves, make sure to check out our site, rogueanimalbooks.com. And also we have a Facebook group called Rogue Reader, where we do a lot of writing challenges and we're trying to build a close-knit community for everyone so people can help each other when needed. Yeah, it just be a nice place for authors. So join in if you want and come and say hello to everyone. And finally, um, the other thing that we need to plug um, is the mailing list that we recently set up. Um, so if you join that, you can be first to know about any new competitions, activities, uh, resources that we're putting out. And also we're doing a different author activity booklet every month, which will be sent to members of the mailing list. So check that out. There'll be, again, another link for that as well. Um, so, yeah, please, please sign up to that. But other than that, thanks very much, and we'll speak to you again next time. Yeah. Bye. Bye.